Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Good morning. I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota by Julie Weisenhorn. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Denny. How are you? I am doing quite well. Thank you for asking. I hope you are as well. And uh, I keep seeing pictures of uh, you guys, you and your colleagues. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about uh, Seymour. I was thinking... It must have been because I was a little groggy this morning. I thought, hey, wait a minute, Seymour Pumpkin. I get it. But but Seymour is the pumpkin's name. For those that, folks that don't know, have any idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> tell us who Seymour is. So my colleague Annie Claude and I, Annie is our fruit educator, grew two giant pumpkins this past summer at the Arboretum with the help of our intern, Noah Burley, who is from Colorado State university and unfortunately not here to go to the giant pumpkin way off today out in Stillwater. It's part of the Harvest Festival that's out there and is sponsored by the St. Croix Growers. And the St. Croix Growers are all um, giant pumpkin growers. And I, I think they grow other things too. I'm not sure, but they have been super uh, welcoming to us and helping us with ideas and thoughts and seeds and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, and uh, we had we grew Seymour and Audrey, and Audrey is sitting in front of the Oswald Visitor Center at the Arboretum, and Seymour will join her next week after we find out how much he weighs. Now, could could Seymour have changed since you and I talked about him last, weight wise? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yes, definitely. We uh, used an application that was developed uh, for our smartphones by the Giant Pumpkin Commonwealth. There is such a thing. And, uh, and we would do measurements on the pumpkin and plug them into the app and get an estimated weight. And about almost three weeks ago, the estimated weight was 648 pounds. Wow. So we think he's going <laughs> to top over 700. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, keep us posted. He's beautiful. <laughs> great color. Some some of the pumpkins don't have the color, but this uh, this has some great color. Seymour well, these does. are yeah, these are all hybrids, so you don't really know. I think what it's going to look like. You might have some idea if you've done this a lot. We've only done it one year, so we wanted to do this as educators so that we could tell homeowners and other people how to grow giant pumpkins and kind of share our experience with them so they can look people listeners can look forward to giant pumpkin information on our website later this winter and before we invite our listener well we always invite our listeners to join in with their lawn and garden questions either by phone or by text 
651-461-9226. How do you guys haul this thing? (laughs) Do you need a forklift or what? Oh, yes, we need a forklift. So when the pumpkins were small, we put them on pallets that were lined with landscape fabric and some uh, just some sand for kind of mobility's sake so we could slide it around if needed. But you don't really want to move them. People ask if we turned the pumpkins, but you don't want to do that because you could break the stem, the main vine. And uh, you don't want to do that. So it, he's been growing up on a pallet, as did Audrey. And then when it came time to move them, we took our fence down at the Arboretum and the staff who have been super helpful and accommodating to our to our project came in with a forklift and lifted the pallet and put it into the truck that now holds Seymour in our garage. <laughs> so it's in your garage. He's in our garage right now, yeah. <laughs> My goodness. All right. Uh, the saga continues. <laughs> Six six five one four six one nine two two six. Julie, again, we've got a bunch of text messages. If you want to call in and uh, chat with Julie, that's great too. Same number applies. Uh, let's see. Oh yes, here we go. <laughs> boom, boom. Slugs went crazy on my hostas this summer. Can I do anything now to prevent so many next year? It comes from Cindy. Well, Cindy, I'm really surprised that uh, the slugs were so bad because it was such a dry summer. So I'm not sure where you're located. But if you're located in the metro area or south of the metro area, I wonder if you had irrigation going. And, you know, slugs, like, they need to have moist conditions to keep that membrane on their body moist and uh, to keep them alive. And so you might consider... If you've been overwatering, think about your watering schedule. Think about how you watered. Uh, if you have irrigation, turn it off or turn it, you know, way down, like once a week maybe. Um, the other thing with with uh, slugs is that they like places to hide. So you could prune up the lower leaves of your hosta so that they will let a little bit more sunshine into the lower part under the plants, and that will help to dry out the soil and deter the slugs, too. There's also other things you can do. There's baits. There's uh, beer traps. Uh, you can put down coarse material that they don't like to climb over, though. I think they're quite resilient to that. Some people will put uh, boards down on the pathways in their gardens. This is probably more for, like, a vegetable garden. And then pick those boards up in the morning and scrape the slugs off of them. So, But usually you want to create, when you have pests like that, uninhabitable areas for them, make it really uncomfortable for them, and slugs really like a cool, damp environment. Okay, very good. Thank you for that text. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, We had a tree professionally removed and replaced it with an autumn blaze maple about three years ago. The tree is doing very well. When planted, they staked it. Placed it with an autumn blaze maple about three years ago. The tree is doing very well. When planted, they staked it. Uh, how do we need, or how long do we need to keep the stakes up is the question. Oh, well, you should take the stakes down. Um, Usually we stake trees for maybe a year. And what you want to do is you want that tree to actually be able to move a little bit in the wind. It will help to build the cambium layer and build strength in the plant itself so so that that trunk becomes nice and strong. So I would take the stakes down by now. If it's been three years, that's, that's plenty long. You also don't want to girdle the tree, which sometimes... Depending on how the plant is staked, it can create an indentation uh, where it literally is pressed on and collapsed some of the vascular system underneath the 
the bark area. And so you don't want to do that because that is those are the vessels that bring water up from the roots and bring uh, photosynthetic materials, energy down from the leaves. So, yep, time to take those stakes down. We're kind of in the, maybe not in the middle of things as far as lawn, as far as seeding goes, because I'm looking at the forecast and I'm thinking, boy, it'd be great to to do some more seeding because (laughs) Tuesday is going to be up to 75, but then by Friday, the highs will be 53. Uh, is this is this something we should wait till the the frost is on the you know uh, before yeah. we do dormant seeding? What do you think? So I think dormant seeding is your safest bet now. Yeah. Um, you know we just don't we can't predict the weather anymore. Um, it's, no, we could have. Remember last fall was long. We had plants reblooming. We had, yes, we had beautiful weather, cool nights, sunny days, and it kind of it was kind of nice because we had such a rough summer for plants last year that was so hot and dry that they really didn't grow very well. And then we had this nice streak of long fall and the plants grew great. <laughs> and then they, you know, then we had winter and, but um, we can't guarantee that of course. So our rule of thumb now would be to wait and dormant seed in mid-November. Okay. Mid-November. All right. Hang on, Julie. We'll take this a quick break here and remind our listeners to call in or text in. There are lawn and garden questions, 651-461-9226. Right now in the Twin Cities, we're at 34 degrees. We're heading to near 62. We should see sunshine. We'll get up to near 63 tomorrow, but maybe near 75 Tuesday. Again, right now on CCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Julie, got a text, uh, a, a person asking, wondering, where did I see pictures of Seymour? <laughs> and uh, was it uh, this or that or Facebook? Well, I saw mine on yeah. Facebook. Where, yeah. where, where would you recommend people search for uh, for Seymour? Well, we've been posting some pictures. We have a Twitter account, both Annie and I do. So mine is just Jay Weisenhorn at Twitter. And uh, you can also look at um, Annie's, which is uh, MN Fruit Lady, because <laughs> she's our fruit educator. And also on the uh, UMN Yard and Garden Twitter account. So if you don't have Facebook, uh, you can look on Twitter. And we will be... Um, we kind of we've been posting them to friends too who have been reposting them. So my husband has reposted pictures and but you can also find me on Facebook as well and there's some pictures there. All right, very good. <laughs> Seymour's uh, famous. Yes. Um here's a text, Julie. It says, What is the best way to store marigold seeds for use next spring? They love Ooh, the show. Thank so, you. So so glad you asked that question. We had an article in our Yard and Garden News, uh, our last issue, which was early October, and it was on storing seeds, saving and storing seeds. So you could reference that. You could take a look at that article. But essentially, with marigold seeds, with any seeds, you want to harvest them when they're very crispy, uh, which means that they're dry and they're mature, and then take them and let them dry out really well. That's important because they can mold. And one of the best ways to store them is in like a little yellow coin envelope that you can buy them in boxes of like 200. (laughs) Uh, And to store them in that, be sure to label that uh, right on there what that is and store them in a cool place. So some people store them in their refrigerators. My seeds are stored in um, my butter container, (laughs) the butter area of my uh, refrigerator. And some people store them in um, 
glass jars. Uh, glass and plastic is a little trickier because you really have to make sure the seeds are dry. The, the paper envelopes actually allow any additional moisture to be released. Um, you can also use the uh, desiccant packets and put oh, one yeah. of those in with your seeds to absorb any moisture and prevent molding. Yeah, that's a good idea. Be sure idea. to label the seeds. <laughs> yes, always label. I've I've been there before. <laughs> like, what is this? I think you and a lot of us. Um, <laughs> this uh, listener, uh, Julie, wants to know, when should I cover my strawberries? Should I water all of my shrubs because it's so dry? A couple of questions there. Yeah, so watering, uh, you keep watering your plants, even your perennial flowers, the herbaceous plants. Water, water, water until you can't, until you have to turn your spigot off, basically. And be sure to do that. Be sure to water enough, too. Sometimes we stand with the hose and we count to 20 and we think, oh, that's long enough. But think of trees, especially. Their roots go spread out far beyond the canopy edges and they go very deeply, but they go probably a couple of feet. Some trees have tap roots, but uh, most plants have, most trees have these fine kind of finer roots that it's called feeder roots that pick up the water from the top 24 inches, 20, 24 inches of soil. So be sure to water well enough. And what does that mean? That means f- making sure that six to nine inches down is, is wet, is moist. And that, that will allow for, um, those feeder roots to take up that water. So don't, don't water too lightly. In other words, the other question about what was the other, what was the other part of the question, Denny? Well, watering the shrubs was one, and then covering strawberries. Covering strawberries, right? So strawberries can be covered with straw. You want to wait, I I believe, and you can check our strawberry page, but you do want to wait until we do get one hard frost, and then you can cover them with a clean straw. Clean straw means no seeds. So you don't want to have a bunch of straw growing, a bunch of you know wheat and stuff growing up in your vegetable garden. So you want to buy clean straw. You can also use leaves, the leaves that fall from your trees in your yard. You can, you can mulch those up in your you know. It's really handy to mow them up and bag them, and then dump them, dump that, those bag chopped up leaves on your, on your garden beds. That's a great way to reuse what you have in your yard. Avoid having to take it to a. a recycling or composting site and get them out of the landfill too. So that's really important. So that's a great reuse of resources. And uh, again, we have a great strawberry page that not only has information on strawberry varieties and how to take care of your strawberry uh, patch, but also how to put it to bed in the winter. All right. Our phone number is also our text number, 651-461-9226. If you'd like to call in a question, like Gary is calling in this morning <laughs> from uh, St. Louis Park. Gary, good morning. What's your question for Julie? Hi, good morning, Danny. Good morning, Julie. Um, Julie, a, a portion of my backyard looks like a squirrel golf course. It's, oh, no. <laughs> it's full of the little holes that they dig and mm-hmm. bury their nuts or whatever they do. Sure. What's the what's the best way either now or in the spring to clear that all out so I get grass there again and then I'll probably have to do the battle again next summer as well. 
I do not think anyone's ever asked that question. Gary. I don't. Th- I think you're right. <laughs> that is a tough situation. Um, my first thought when you talked about seeds buried is I thought of a pre-emergent, but I'm not sure that that's going to help when they're burying things like acorns and black walnuts, butternuts. So, boy, uh, I think you're going to just need to renovate your lawn every spring. Now, you could try dormant seeding. We mentioned that earlier. You still can aerate your lawn, which means to rent, a, rent or hire someone to do core aeration where they pull the cores out. And then you top dress in November with a seed mixture that's suitable for your site. So shade, part shade, full sun. Uh, we're recommending fine fescues for a lot of those, for a lot of lawns, because they are low nutrient requirements, low water requirements, and they grow in a variety of different light conditions and soil. So you may have to do that. I think you're just going to have to renovate your lawn. There's no way you can go and pick out all those seeds, and you're going to get seedlings coming up. So when you see that start to come up, you can just mow those seedlings down, and they will not come back. You want to get them while they still have just a couple of leaves next spring when they start to emerge. So as you start to mow, you don't have to mow really low. You just need to knock the top leaves off. And then keep, you know, as those plants have gone away, you're finished with those seedlings, then raise your mower and keep your grass high so that it can outcompete weeds and other seedlings that might occur. And that actually creates a a healthier lawn. Okay. Tell you what, let's do (laughs) We're going to need to take a break and have a look at that forecast, see what's in store here for the coming week. And then we have uh, close to another half hour of the show to go. So call in your lawn or garden question or send a text, 651-461-9226. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on CSU. This morning, we are lucky to have Julie Weisenhorn from the <laughs> U of M answering those lawn and garden questions for you, either by phone or by text as usual, 651-461-9226. Before we get back to the phones and text, Julie, you started telling me something about the vegetables. What was the story here? Yeah, so we get a lot of questions right now at this time of year about storing vegetables, especially things like winter squash. And I just wanted to call out uh, and let listeners know that we have a great web page on harvesting and storing home garden vegetables. It was written by Cindy Tong, who's our one of our vegetable extension specialists in horticultural science. The nice thing about it is it talks about um, how harvesting and storage and different temperatures and relative humidity. So, and then it gives you examples like basements are generally cool and dry. Uh, home refrigerators are generally, and then it explains what that means. And so you can kind of choose based on what you are storing, where best to store them. And then there's harvest and storage information for commonly grown vegetables, everything from asparagus all the way through to watermelons. So anybody who is wondering about storing p- potatoes, peppers, pumpkins, radishes, parsnips, muskmelons, etc. Go ahead and take a look at this site and find the vegetable that you are trying you are wondering about storing. And this is something you can use year, year round. We have asparagus on here which obviously is a spring vegetable and basil and beans and use this webpage to help you determine the best place and best way to store your vegetables. 
All right. Yeah, it's a great page. Let's uh, remind our listeners of that before you take your leave sure. uh, today, Joe. That'd be great. Uh, okay, back to – I'll tell you what, let's do this. I do believe, if I can find my uh, my information here, Gary is on the horn calling in from Longville this morning. I think he's got Another enough Gary. patience. Gary, uh, thanks for calling. What's your question, please? Okay. Gary has uh, – lost Gary. Gary is Safeway. Okay. Um, <laughs> A lot of text messages, as Julie, okay, uh, Julie would let's, know. Let's Try, get a few of those. <laughs> this one is trying to uh, overwinter their angel trumpet. Is oh. it Brugmansia? Brug- Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Several weeks ago, they said, I doused it with neem oil, put a systemic insecticide in the soil after a few days of quarantine in the garage. I brought it in the house, put it under lights. It seemed happy until earlier this week when it started dropping a lot of leaves. Is that normal? Yeah. When you move plants in from outside in or inside out, you've changed the growing environment. And plants will often respond by dropping leaves and buds and flowers. And just it's normal. So uh, just keep it under the lights, water it when it's dry, and, and just do what you're doing, and uh, it should start to leaf back out. It might take a little while to leaf out, but uh, you can always test to see if the branches are super crispy and dry and uh, or if they're nice and flexible and green. That's another way to tell if your plant has died or it's just kind of in shock a little bit. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Jerry, I believe, is calling in from Owatonna this morning. Jerry, thanks for the call. What is your question for Julie? Yes, a very good morning to you. Um, I have a question, a lawn question. Uh, the summer being dry as it was, uh, a lot of the uh, grass uh, dried except for this particular breed that uh, stayed, uh, stayed growing all year. And now <clears throat> in the fall, it's, it's got these brown tops on it, and it's, uh, it doesn't fit in with the rest of the lawn. Is this something that is going to I have to live with, or I call it foxtail? Is this something I'm going to have to live with, or what is it? Oh boy, um, I think actually, it, Jerry, it's going to be really helpful to see a picture of that. And what I'd recommend, I'm guessing that it could be an annual grass that you said it's brown now, that it has died, it's dying back, it's finishing its life cycle essentially. So I'm wondering if that is what it is. Um, But what I'd really like you to do is if you could take some pictures of it. We like a big picture of like the big patch of it, if there's something like that growing. And then also some more close-up photos of the actual grass plants. And could you please send it to Ask Extension? It's on our webpage, which is extension.umn.edu. And if you scroll to the bottom to Ask Master Gardeners, there's a email form there that you can enter in your question and attach up to three photos and send it in. And it's a great tool any time of the year for any kind of gardening question. But that would be a re- that would be really helpful. If we don't know what it is, we know people in our turf program who can help maybe determine what's going on with it. So I think that's a that's a really good example of a question that we would like to see pictures of. Yeah, very good. Uh, This listener, uh, Julie, found out the city-owned boulevard tree has emerald ash borer disease. A lot of dead branches. It looks terrible. We were told the city 
will take it down anywhere from three to five years. Doesn't that sound ridiculous to wait that long is their question? Well, you wish that they could do it right away, and you would think they would. But actually, depending on where you are, for example, if you're in Hennepin County, we've had emerald ash ash borer for quite a while. And there are lots of trees that are affected, so you're probably in a list. <laughs> and uh, it could be that they're, they've already removed a lot of the trees in the area and that the threat to other ash is pretty low because there aren't any ash around. So they have some reason for it. And you could probably ask them and just say, why so long? And they'll say, you know, staffing, um, it's not a threat to other trees because there's no other ash trees because we've taken them all out, that kind of thing. So... Um, it does seem long, but I'm sure that there's a very logical reason for it. Probably. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Another. My amaryllis, this texture says, is ready to be put in a darkened space. Should I water it and give it fertilizer before I do that? No, just put mm-hmm. it in the dark space. I just put mine away yesterday. They're in our garage uh, in a kind of a drying rack. And I just, just put the whole pot in there. You don't have to transplant it. You can transplant it when you take it out, but amaryllis kind of like to be snug in their containers. So just put it in the dark. Don't have to cut the leaves off. Let them just dry off naturally. And uh, the only thing I would do is check it for any kind of insect issues like mealybugs. I had a couple that had mealybugs on and treat the mealybugs before you put it away or you may have a infestation on your hands. But Mm. yeah, just... Put it in there. Don't water it. Don't fertilize it. Let it just go dormant and take it out in about, what was it, 10 to 12 weeks. Put it in a sunny spot. Start watering it. Cut off all the dead stuff. Clean up the plant. You could repot it at that point if you wanted to, too. Okay. Uh, Another texter says this. Can perennial grasses like Carl Forster be divided in the spring? Oh, absolutely. It's a great time to divide grasses. They're easier to manage, for one thing. You cut them down uh, in late winter, and then when you start to see them green up, which Carl Forster greens up quite early, you can dig up the plant and divide it at that point. Great time to do it. We get this question from time to time recently. (laughs) Is it time to cut back hydrangeas? Uh, It depends on the type of hydrangea, but normally most of the species that we grow are cut back in the late winter. And I am so glad you asked that question because I am happy to say we have a wonderful pruning hydrangeas webpage and a video on how to prune hydrangeas. Mm. So take a look at that. It is at extension.umn.edu. Visit our yard and garden page and the trees and shrubs section, and you will find that video along with a bunch of other trees and shrubs information. It's a great resource, extension.umn.edu. Yes. I know it is just about time for a quick break. I'll tell you what, let's do, let's do one more uh, text, and then we'll uh, take a Sounds break. Sounds good. We had a new septic mound, listener says, uh, system installed last Monday. The installer recommended seeding it with ryegrass to carry over the winter. Is there enough warm weather, do you think, left for it to germinate? Who knows? I don't, I don't know if I would use ryegrass. Uh, I'm guessing he's probably talking annual ryegrass. Um, I, boy, annual ryegrass, I don't know if I would seed it at all, actually. (laughs) Um, And the problem with annual ryegrass is it dies and then you're stuck with all this brown grass the next year. Uh, I think what I might, what I might recommend is to seed it, is to wait just until mid-November. It's a month from now. 
and uh, and seed it with uh, a more appropriate type of species like a fine fescue. Um, the situation with annual ryegrass is, I think he's probably recommending it to prevent erosion, you know, to just not have a big, and, and also weeds, to help to crowd out oh, yeah. weeds that, that might makes grow. Sense. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, I'm thinking that might be the reason. So you can do that, but know that that annual ryegrass crowd out oh, yeah. weeds that, that might grow. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, I'm thinking that might be the reason. So you can do that. But know that that annual ryegrass, I don't know if it's going to actually germinate. I mean, if it does, it's going to be pretty pretty thin. You're not going to have this big lush, I don't know. It's a pretty that's a, iffy that's time, That's a great isn't it? question. That's, yeah. You're really kind of on the fringe at this yep. point. I wish it was a month earlier. And I'd say, yeah, no problem. But, um, but I think you're going to want a dormant seed with something. A fine fescue is a perfect thing for a mound because those mounds are very dry, especially at the top, thanks to gravity. And those fine fescues can tolerate that. Now, fine fescue greens up a little bit later, too. You could also do a bee lawn on mm. that. Um, you still have to mow that, though. Uh, anyway, yeah, some options, So, All right. <laughs> some people oh, hang on, Julie. flowers, too. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll take this quick break. Be right back with the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show. Our phone number happens to also be our text number, 651 9226. Back with more here on News Talk 830, WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota, answering those uh, lawn and garden questions as she is wont to do. Uh, we have, again, a few minutes uh, to go here. We have so many text messages. You know, we have a caller, too. I believe Jonah calling in from Northfield uh, this morning with a question. Jonah, thank you. What's your question for Julie? Hi. um, I was wondering uh, if you have any recommendations for someone looking to smart a garden and a small plot of land um, uh, for crop planting this time of year. I think this time of year I would – oh, boy, that's a great – that's another question I've never gotten, Jonah. But I think that you might want to plant a cover crop just for this time of year. Uh, that would then be plowed under next spring, and that would add. And then you have to let it, you have to let it break down before you can plant it. But we have a really good web page on cover crops, and you can identify kind of you know what your situation is. I would also do a soil test before it gets too cold, and send that into the University of Minnesota Soil Testing Lab. It's seventeen dollars. It gives you a bunch of great information, and it'll give you kind of a baseline to understand the soil that you have. So I would do that, and then I would plant a cover crop according to some of those soil test results that you would that you would receive from the lab, and then think about um, tilling that cover crop in, and allowing it to break down, and then planting. So those are uh, we and yeah, cover crops are very popular. What they do is they they help with weed suppression, and also with nutrition for soil. Let's see here. Um, oh, boy, so many, so little time. Uh, I have a question. Uh, do we still leave the collar on the tree trunk when cutting off a large branch? Yes, yeah, that collar is important to the healing uh, that the tree has. It actually will fold over or roll over and, and form kind of a donut shape. That's perfect if it looks like a donut. And that's really important for the tree to heal. So do not cut the collar off. Good question. Okay. And I know we've talked about it earlier, but I think it's important this time of year. Is it too late to aerate your lawn? 
It is not. It is not. And you can aerate through mid-October, and then you could do dormant seeding in mid-November. And, uh, and so we do have the Minnesota Lawn Care Calendar, which gives you the best time to do certain tasks and then kind of an okay time to do it. So if you look at the aeration, mid-August through mid-October is a good time to aerate. In fact, you and I were talking off air, and I have to aerate my lawn, and I do mine manually. I have such a tiny lawn in the back that I can do the step-on aerator and pull the cores out. So you can do that. I wonder how yeah, long it will take yeah. you to do that. Uh, it takes about probably takes an hour, so it's not too bad. You don't want to come over, do you? And do no, that I don't think the, so. No, okay. <laughs> you have a bigger yard. Just asking. <laughs> Here's a text to Julie that says, "I have a new upright U, some new small ones. They're replacements from last year's rabbits, totally eating the bark and sure. killing them. The tall evergreen will be easy to wrap for winter, but the low-growing ones. How do I protect them from rabbit damage?" So you're going to need some hardware cloth. This is a small square. Uh, I think they're quarter inch by quarter inch square. It's very s- strong. You want to create a ring around each plant that is a-, a ways out from the branches. So you don't want the branches sticking through. Otherwise, the rabbits will just eat up to that point. And then you want to sink that ring of that fencing down a couple of inches into the ground around each plant. And, uh, and that will protect the plant from feeding. It also helps with uh, critters like voles, too. So you want to sink that down, though, so that the animals can't tunnel easily, uh, can't tunnel underneath the fencing and get into the fence. And then just in the spring when, you know, you see start growth start to happen, take those rings off. Okay. This listener wants to know, Julie, when is it time to dig up my can of bulbs? Ooh, the cannas. So I think it's after a frost when they die back. So when the big leaves have collapsed from cold, which should be happening, maybe it's happened last night for you, uh, you can dig them up at that point and allow them to air dry. And then just put them in, say, you can put them in uh, damp peat moss, just damp, very little moisture, and in a plastic bag and keep them in a cool, dry place. Or you can also put them in just a paper bag and keep them in a cool, dry place as well. Okay. We this have listener. A webpage on those too. Okay. Extension.umn.edu. A yes, couple our, of minutes. Uh, uh, House plants or flowers section. A couple of minutes to go, Julie. I'd like to know, Texter says, if it would work to take a stem of a beautiful begonia rooted in water over winter to plant next summer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it will probably root way before spring, so you will want to be prepared to pot it up then and keep it in uh, kind of an indirect light window. Um, you know, southeast facing or, uh, and, and then just keep it, keep it watered like a house plant through the winter. This one uh, says, how do I overwinter my geraniums? Well, I'm going to direct you to an article we had in our yard and garden news, uh, recently. And it was, I think it was our last issue, which was early October. And you can store them essentially in a dark, cool, dry place. Give them a little water, maybe once a month. Uh, pull off all the leaves in the spring, cut off anything that's dead. You might repot them at that point and just put them in a sunny window then and start watering them probably oh, a couple months before you're going to put them out or so. Okay. Julie, 20 seconds. Uh, the <laughs> Abiders playing anywhere? Uh, we are playing at the Tonka Brew Fest, November 5th. It's a fundraiser for our Mound West Tonka Rotary. $50 a person gets you in touch with over, almost 20 breweries. These are small breweries around the area. 
and super fun. It's the ninth year that we have played for them. We're looking forward to it. They do such great work. And that's on November 5th, and you can get tickets at TonkaBrewFest.com. And uh, that that's all we have for the rest of the year. So we've got some people leaving uh, for the cold weather. <laughs> right. Well, we look <laughs> forward we'll to that. Some recording too. Yeah. That's and definitely visit the Arboretum. The colors yes. are fantastic. Oh, get beautiful reser- colors. Yeah. Go to arb.umn.edu. Get a reservation. Go see what we've got. We've got all the scarecrows. And be sure to check Excellent. out the giant pumpkins. Yes, indeed. Well, thanks, Julie. we got to yeah. run, but we hope to talk to you real soon. Get those Sounds home good. improvement questions ready next hour. Andy Lindis will be answering those very questions. 651-461-9226 and 830-WCCO. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.